Welcome to episode 319 of the Siren Studs podcast. I'm Kurt, joined once again by my clearly Chinese-American co-hosts, Peter and Jake. That's right, Kurt. (laughs) We're coming at you this week with the CFL edition of the cast. The C stands for the cost. The F stands for the failure. And the L stands for the loss of money after the failure. This is in no way related to my personal life. Right on. It sounds like you have a story to tell. (laughs) If if you insist, Kurt, I'll I'll go right ahead. (laughs) Uh, So I was in the bathroom, and one of my CFL bulbs, get this, it went out. And now I'm here. Ah, I see. And the bulb is still out. When you said CFL, I, I was like Canadian Football League. Uh, same. Compact fluorescent light. <laughs> Why are you using CFLs? Come on, join the LED revolution, Peter. To be fair, those were the ones from when I, I moved in here. I do have a package of... I have I have the smart LEDs. The ones that, that have Bluetooth compatibility. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I have, I have a few of those, too. My house is fully, like, in a year, my, fa- my house will be fully RGB compatible. <laughs> <laughs> like my, Just... I'll get my, oh, that, that could be actually a thing you could probably do, is hook your computer up Bluetooth style to every light bulb in the house and have it coordinate with the rgb on your computer <laughs> or sync for it's your like phone. i'm inside my tower oh is that a thing of that or like or like they people do the um what is it is it lg they hook it up to the tv and they have it as like they have the the lights interact with what's playing on the tv you could do that just like the entire house lights up blue whenever you know they show like the, the ocean yeah yeah yeah, I I love that one. They're like, oh, we, it syncs to, to the music that you're listening to. I'm like, how does it determine what color it should be? Uh, what is no- <laughs> what note is red? <laughs> it's an act, literal, actual blue notes. Metal is just <laughs> the color black. They somehow achieve it. Brown notes. <laughs> yeah, I, bl- black LEDs. I love when people like try to set their LEDs to black. That's just off. Yeah, asshole. <laughs> it's just. It's perfect. And of course, as always, we're coming at you from the cab of a uh, really neat little semi-truck. It's pretty soundproof in here. Uh, We are driving along the road, so if you hear some bumps along the way, that's just uh, Kurt Russell uh, driving over some ghosts, you know? Um, And, you know, don't worry about the gunshots and or random lightning bolts that that uh, yeah. that might you might hear come across the, the, the recording. Chop Express. Yeah. <laughs> Such. I wish every truck was named so so wonderfully. They gotta. I don't know if they do that the same way they do it with boats. Like where every boat, you know, when you buy a boat, you're like, all right, spin the wheel of nautical puns. <laughs> do you think Kurt or uh, Jack Burton is the uh, the original uh, podcaster? Uh, I think he was a little um, bit ahead of his time. He was he actually was a radio a, host. I he, think you would he, a radio host, or maybe a radio host on the road. 
uh, traveling yeah, radio host. I prefer, I prefer just, to uh, think of him as a belligerent drunk annoying every other trucker on, on the highway. <laughs> Shut the fuck! <laughs> I mean, you're probably not wrong. You see that channel but. there? We don't go to that channel. Like He's the kind of guy who would put a fucking uh, radio blaster on his antenna to get to blast his his uh, signal transmissions boost. onto regular cars so they pick it up <laughs> on their radio. <laughs> Get him a real teeth rattler. Yeah, back in the days of when radio stations just put on huge amplifiers to their signals, so like your your frying pan could pick up the radio station because it was just so fucking loud. Uh. I, I'd have uh, to assume that he has this was we saw his PG version of his broadcast and there's you know there's the um Pork Shop Express after dark. There's the Bloodhound Gang version <laughs> where he's uh talking about some little uh uh li- lot lizards that he's picked up along the way. Well I mean he has a fucking yeti in his in the back of his car. Yeah, so I'm fucking a Yeti monster at the old I-95 truck stop Flying J, and uh, wouldn't you know, the glory hole has a splinter in it, and oh, well, I'm on Jack Burton says when there's a splinter, (laughs) when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. I'm a... Glory hole's got a splinter. Call me a carpenter. So I'm sending the mini pork chop John express. John Carpenter. <laughs> I named my penis after my truck. Little pork chop. <laughs> little pork chop express. Going to town. Little, little little pork chop. I think it's, it's not a Billy and Mandy joke. <laughs> little pork chop, maybe. Yeah, Billy. Sorry, yeah, it is. Sounds... Billy gets a, like a little fucking. <laughs> Deformed fish and it dies and they flush it down the toilet, put it uh, <laughs> some toxic it waste in it becomes that, like that sounds like shot a Mandy buff plot. like Arnold Schwarzenegger. So Google Images pulled up a spree of like shit for me, and they're all you the say little... that as if you didn't type in those search terms. Oh well, no, no. I mean, like it, it brought up Who all could the have f- predicted this. <laughs> it, it brought up all the scenes from that episode of Billy and Mandy except for the last one. Which is Aaron Yeager from the Attack on Titan. It's a comic <laughs> panel. I want to know what happened that Google connected Lil Pork Chop to Aaron Yeager. What? What is this? A I, Dolly image generator? <laughs> like? <laughs> oh yeah, I should. We should. We should fuck around with that sometime before the meme gets old. <laughs> yeah, I I saw some good ass shit on uh, Wubby. Mm-hmm. The, the, oh yeah! Guess guess the Wally the do- or Dolly Wally <laughs> the, do- the Dolly Wally. <laughs> that that's some that's some good shit. When you the have spiritual um, leader for robots everywhere, the Dolly Wally. <laughs> when you have Jesus Christ uh, in Ratatouille, man, that's <laughs> <laughs> Ratatouille. <laughs> When you have the the weird one that is uh, Shrek selling seashells by the seashore, hmm. it'll it'll do it. It it's got it down pat. I was trying to explain why I thought it was funny to Kristen. <laughs> and, uh, it was difficult, but you know, 
it's a uh, it's interesting shit right there. It's funny because it exists. We're at the we're at the <laughs> stage of history where it's not funny because it's true. It's funny because it exists. Yeah. yeah. If it's there, we will laugh at it. Um, much like we laughed at our movie this week. If you didn't pick up on it, Big Trouble in Little China, which shockingly. I am double. I've had this sneaking suspicion ever since I suggested that we may have actually, like, in the way, way, way back times, mm-hmm. already reviewed this movie. But um, I don't believe we have somehow. A thorough so, inspection of the archives. Yes. Was revealed that it's not there. Uh, um, archive site is so fucking, like. It's everywhere, it's, baby. It's old, baby. Just, but these trailers, they're not old. They're, they're new. They're new. And mu- much like actual newborns, you have to keep an eye on them. You have to watch them in our you segment must. where we keep our babies on a tray. It's called Tray Watch. No babies are eaten, to our knowledge. Nope. <laughs> Speaking of babies... Um, we do have a few go missing every once in a while, but we assume <laughs> that's on the up and up. Side so note: Put my, your baby trays in their upright positions. So my my cousin, uh, people just, don't lock them. You have to have your baby tray up, and it's yeah. My my cousin locked. just recently had a kid, uh, my my godson, and he's I, I'm so I'm learning all my parenting from my cousin, uh, and I'm, I'm I can't wait to like implement some of these tactics to quell a crying baby. And he's like, yeah, he's just been, Luca's been just like crazy crying, like nonstop sometimes. And he's like, you know, sometimes I don't know what he's crying about. So I like give him a little shake. Um, and it's like a, like a reset, like a hard reset. And I'm like, I'm like, there's no fucking way that like actually works. Like you're just, you're just pulling my leg. And I, so his mother-in-law is holding Luca and he's crying. He's crying. He's fussing around. He's like, well, like God, whatever. And she's like rocking him, trying to get him to stop, and nothing's working. And Louis just like walks up to him and is like, hey. And he just jolts him and just goes, ah. <laughs> hey. And he I just. I'd like stops. to read to you. <laughs> he just I'd like stops. to read to you this paragraph from the CDC. Shaken baby syndrome, SBS, is a preventable severe form of physical child abuse resulting from violently shaking an infant by the shoulders, arms, or legs. Shaken baby like syndrome may like result from both shaking alone or from shaking with impact. SBS is not just a crime, it's a public health issue. <laughs> I also would like to clarify, he is not shaking it, like actively shaking him. It is a one-time... hey. Shaken baby we syndrome sh- usually occurs when like a, a parent or caregiver severely shakes a child in yeah, frustration no, or anger, <laughs> often because the child won't stop crying. Permanent brain damage or death may result. Symptoms no. include look. irritability, look, 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 difficulty look, look. staying awake, gonna, seizures, look, look. Are you going to trust hey, the Chinese disease center? <laughs> okay, because that's all we we all know after the the pandemic that we just heard. I just know, Jake, all I know is that it's not good coalition. to shake a baby, I regardless think, of how effective it might be. You know, it, uh, results don't care about your feelings, uh, and the kid's still breathing, so. For now. The important part of all of this <laughs> is that you have to keep things balanced. And by that, I mean your, your he needs to use the other half of the equation. He needs another kid 
and he needs to give it some pot. So you have shaken baby and you have bacon baby. <laughs> you gotta shake it before you bake. I was it. like, why? <laughs> why are we talking about bacon? I mean, like, you I don't know, want like some. grandpa like rub a little like whiskey on the kids' gums when they're teething yeah. to like help them fall asleep. Yeah. Just give them a little hash oil instead. Yeah, and, <laughs> you know, everybody freaks out because one or two kids got a little wasted because they used too much whiskey, and then they're like, "Oh, that's not allowed anymore." We all grew up fine, and our proof. parents probably shook the shit out of us. <laughs> God knows my mom did more to me, I bet, because I was a terror. I was a heterosexual terrorist when I was a baby. Yeah, like Jake, the ones segue. demeaned in bros. Um, I think this trailer made this movie look a little, I don't know. I want to say worse because I didn't have high hopes to begin with. <laughs> um, yeah, like I don't know. It's, just, the... it's not. It's a movie, I guess. Like I don't think it's particularly groundbreaking in any way. The the comedy. It's it's a miss for me. Um, I don't know how other people feel about it. Uh, apparently, this trailer's getting fucking hammered on YouTube. <laughs> Eight hundred and ten. Right. Up to three point four thousand down. That's rough. I wonder. And during Pride Month, come on, YouTube watchers. And well, it's almost as if this trailer is being put out during Pride Month to be exploitative. (laughs) But people love rainbow capitalism. Haven't you looked at Target? Haven't you seen the shirts? Yeah, Kaylee was talking. My girlfriend Kaylee lives in Schenectady uh, by the GE building. And when you drive past GE, their logos all lit up rainbow. And she was like, oh, I think it's cool to see that. I'm like, they don't give a shit, Kaylee. <laughs> They're just, just doing it so they don't get canceled on Twitter. <laughs> hmm. I I don't really have an opinion here. I mean, it was, I, I like the angle that the first trailer had where it was like trying to be kind of meta. Yeah, and I was like, that's... I was about that, and then they 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 dropped that for this one. And yeah, this is, that's kind of why I time. was I was a little, um, little. I don't I don't know what the right word is. Apprehensive doesn't sound like the most appropriate word choice to describe it, but I was a little uncertain of of this movie based on the teaser trailer, um, and like how they were going to play it. But this trailer makes it look like it's uh, very much just going to be a standard by the book rom-com sort of deal with the only difference being that the leads are gay, which sure. Um, But to the point that they had in the first trailer, you kind of have to have have something to bring in the, the straight audience. Because that's a larger audience <laughs> um, I believe this is re- releasing in theaters right this isn't going yeah. straight to like prime so yeah you're you're banking and it's coming out in September <laughs> so like oh. pride month will be a distant memory yeah. it's coming out the end of September um <clears throat> so I um like I have a feeling this movie is not gonna make a lot of money it's not going to perform particularly well at the box office. And then 
critics are going to claim that audiences are bigoted and um, the cycle will repeat, you know, that's it's how this whole thing always works. It, you yeah. know, I, th- my, I think my perception of this, I, I, I do think it's going to bring in some of the hats, uh, uh, particularly my fiance. Uh, I think Kristen was like, without me talking about this, she actually brought up, she's like, you know, they're making a gay rom-com. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we, we talked about this. And she's like, I'm, I'm so for that. Because she's, I, you know, all about Broadway. So, like, the only people in Broadway are gays and women. So, <laughs> she's like, oh, yes, this is my people. My other people. Broadway gays. <laughs> and, you know, and all I these would, are actors, so they're all like that. So Yeah. And this movie does have, like, unique jokes. It's, it's got jokes, kids. Um I'm watch I'm rewatching it now with the the sound off and the the fucking scene where they're like they're about ready to like fucking go tarts off and have a scrap on the on the fucking picnic blanket and they just turn it into oh, yeah. making out instead. That's a great that's a great joke. Love that joke. And the guys are like, "Hey guys, don't don't fight. Don't Oh, oh okay. Oh. Right, you're just oh, okay, cool. You're just about to fuck Understandable. Have a great park. day. <laughs> Didn't mean nothing by it. Have a nice day. There, so there, there might be some stuff. There might be some hidden gems in here. Um, but honestly, you know, it, it probably is going to follow the same formula as like a lot of different rom coms, and uh, just the fact that they're just two dudes, and the jokes are probably going to fall flat, just like other rom coms, because they're not usually the most well written. Uh, they probably sacrifice that more for like a interesting love story, but. Well, wouldn't that I don't be know. Part of the writing? <laughs> I don't know if I don't know if this is an interesting enough, you know, love story. The yeah, I'm not typically a rom com guy to begin with, so uh, it's not the fact that I want to make it perfectly clear. I don't have any objection or really even care that the leads in this are gay. No, you can say I it. Fuck the gays. Think, I just don't think the uh, the humor is uh, is great. And my it doesn't land for me a lot of there are a couple jokes in there that that got a got a chuckle but um i don't know if this is if this is the stuff you're putting in your trailer it makes me think that the bulk of this movie isn't going to be particularly entertaining but i i think that's kind of the process is good if you're going to make a gay rom-com you get billy eichner who's mm. a very funny very mm-hmm. well-known gay actor um and uh you put some other people in place that are also generally pretty good um i haven't seen that though i don't know who else is like well the, the only one other one i recognize is well there's that there's the gay asian guy from snl who's in everything that's just in his contract with hollywood if, oh, if your movie he's on gay themed. Oh, okay. he was. I don't know if he still is. Okay, um, all right. Yeah, yeah. I do remember him. Kind of. I, I don't watch SNL that often. I, so the synopsis about the, this uh, makes my fucking eyes roll. We'll say. And then uh, there's the guy who plays the dean on Community. And, yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there, the there are some good here. people in here, but yeah. it just. I don't know. It just doesn't seem like it's gonna be. A great movie, and that's yeah, kind I mean, of I, like, disappointing. This. this is how they're this is how they're marketing this. 
This fall, Universal Pictures proudly presents the first romantic comedy from a major studio about two gay men, maybe, possibly, probably, stumbling towards love. Maybe. They're both very busy. That isn't, yeah. if that isn't the most Hollywood Pride Month shit. Well, that's the thing. Is like it's it's also just so like rom com, like the uh, the the stereotypical um, uh, what yeah. what the fuck's that channel called? They always have the Hallmark. The, Hallmark DLC. Yeah. The stereotypical Hallmark rom coms where it's like, oh, Lifetime. is is the love interest gonna be too busy to have a relationship? And like, what's their meet cute gonna be? Like, their meet cute's the, always the bumping into each other, right? Yeah, one of them's um, gonna be too busy. <laughs> I don't fucking know. Maybe they're both too busy. I don't know. So I guess my my major problem with this movie is that they're selling it almost entirely on the fact that this is a rom com with gay leads instead of selling a quality rom com that just happens to have gay leads. Mm-hmm. Um, which you know I've I've ranted on this plenty of times before. I think pandering and tokenism are not helpful towards progress but I guess the fact that this movie exists even though it will most certainly lose money because it won't be allowed to to air in China or Russia (laughs) yeah true (laughs) Um, I don't know how rom-coms normally do in China though but if they had the right people (laughs) you put Matt Damon in it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Matt Damon. They love. They fucking love Matt Damon. They love themselves, <laughs> Matt Damon, and The Rock too. That's why, why I kind of laugh that they, you know, all these companies will like put together a movie with like a majority or all Asian cast. Be like, this is going to kill in the Chinese market, and it doesn't do as well. It's like, you know, who the most popular movie star in China is? The fucking Rock. <laughs> George Clooney. Because it turns out people just want to see movie stars. They don't care so much about them looking like them. Yeah. It's like um, when they put the WWE title on Jinder Mahal. It's like, you know who the most popular wrestler in India was? Roman Reigns. The guy with the wettest hair. He doesn't care. Um, I guess if all... we want to... We'll just yeah. plow through the the other half of this with um, a trailer from My Policeman, the, the Prime <sighs> yeah. series, Prime movie. Uh, so this is less less comedy, more romance. Yeah, this is very much a serious like period drama. Uh, with with gay people in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's. That's that's all I also got. Also coming it. out this fall, not coming out during Pride Month. Yes, October twenty one. You feel like, I mean, I guess they they feel they get some credit for putting the trailer out during Pride Month, but you'd think you'd you'd like hold back, right? You'd like have the the show developed or or the movie in the can, and just wait until the next Pride Month rolls around to actually release the movie. <laughs> I feel like you'd probably make some more money if you did that. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I guess I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a plus that they're with... not like... I don't know if it's a plus or a minus to put it out, put the movie out during during Pride Month, right? I feel like there's a lot more people who would be willing to spend money on something 
that was LGBTQ facing during Pride mm-hmm. Month than in October or September. Um, it, it's kind of like a mob mentality thing, you know. It's like it's in the conscious of the zeitgeist. People, people will feel guilty if they don't go to see it during Pride Month. Mm-hmm. And yet, I mean, I on the from that token, I'm looking at the fucking. We're gonna talk about in the roundup later on. Uh, we're gonna talk about the top ten movies in the box office right now, going on during this month, and um, how, how prideful they how are. How many of them? <laughs> Well, I mean, all right. Well, you got so Top Gun in the top ten, right? <laughs> top Gun. Granted, Top Gun Maverick was not nearly as gay as the first Top Gun. It's still pretty gay. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at the like even the top twenty here. I mean, that's like unless top you count Morbius. First... <laughs> Morbius Pride. Like, if you cut out a scene from Top Gun Maverick. It's it's a love story between Maverick and Rooster, and you know Rooster is cock, so mm. Maverick loves cock. Just yeah, just putting that out there. Not also, saying it's not a good. Love story. I want to say I want to say this. It's incredibly cringy that the Top Gun people just refer to themselves exclusively by their call sign. Like no one in the military would ever do that. That's super cringe. <laughs> It's their identity. They they can't lose their identity. It's they, it's I they can't are, lose man. my identity. That's why I never insist people refer to me by my proper name. <laughs> they're they're uh, they're what we call it's a millsexual. Like... They're a millsexual where they are just they are the army. They are the air force. They are they are for the lack R of a better term. R O T C stands for romance. Yeah, I mean they they are a a uh, you know F F twenty two fighter jet. I mean, be a lover jet, not a fighter jet. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, it's almost like calling people by their hacker call signs. Like in the movie Hot Seat. Oh, yes, Hot Seat. Um, going all the way s- to the other end here. So you remember that scene in Lethal Weapon 2 where Danny Glover's character, Murtaugh, sits down on his toilet and there's a bomb on the toilet. Um, it's that scene, but for, for like 90 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and I liken this more to, um, uh, phone booth where guy gets, you know, trapped inside of a phone booth because he can't leave because there's somebody on the other end of the line who's saying, Hey, I'll shoot you if you leave or I'll shoot more people if you leave. Um, and then everybody starts thinking it's him that's you know shooting people from the phone booth, um, so they they think I think what this guy had is like forced to admit that he blew up this one car bomb or something like that. Yeah, the 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 hacker man who presumably was the one who blew mm-hmm. the car up or whatever is mm-hmm. is making him confess to it. Um, clearly under duress, though, so I don't know why anyone would possibly buy that. Right, and if you want to talk about fucking Hollywood cliches, holy shit, kids, not since hackers have I seen computers be portrayed this poorly. It's so many skulls in just... It's a skull, lines of, of code. Code? 
yeah. that's how graphics like, work. <clears throat> I, it's I the metadata. Show... Yeah. <laughs> Fucking bitches. He's gonna he's gonna get crypto coin on the dark web. Like <laughs> I you could show the one of the producers is that little like piece of code that makes a donut that's made out of code and then like <laughs> rotates. It would blow their fucking minds. <laughs> Do you I think this... see I need to see who wrote this. I want to. I just want to know how old they are. Do you, I just, just want to know. I just. I just want to know. You think whoever produces got them. like got like ripped off in like a rug pull crypto coin scam, and now he just hates computers? <laughs> I'm gonna fucking take down the internet. It's time so, we cancel the internet. Yeah, directed the by credited... that famous director that everyone knows, James Cullen Brassac. I'm pretty sure he did a bunch of the Bruce Willis movies. Um, so. J- this is only credit. The credited writers are both credited um, based on a story by. So you have Leon Langford, who is a. Uh, how old are you? Um, does not tell me. I'm going to have to Google this man. Uh, he looks to be a younger guy. Um, and then you have Colin Watts, who. Um, is known for, is a producer and writer known for the wretched prologue in engrossed and the burner. Yeah, known for you all know those movies. Um, he might be older. How old are you, Colin Watts? Why don't you? Just, okay, I have no idea how old any of these people are. It's impossible to find out. They're they're ageless, ethereal beings. <laughs> Um, James Colin Prosec, though, looks like he fucking. He looks like Charlie Kelly. If he was a dude, bro. Yeah, he looks like he fell out of the fucking. <laughs> fucking uh, 2000s frat party. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, he did. He is. He is. No he looks f- like he drinks Zima. Here's his credits Hot Seat, Fortress, Survive the Game. Beyond the law. <laughs> How, All, like, what's his straight... Bruce Willis count? Uh, there's two in his top four: Fortress and Survive the Game. Um, oh, Captors was that a Bruce Willis one? That seems like it would be. Nope, actually, that's that's not a Bruce Willis one at all. Oh, it's got another. Beyond Bruce the law is Bruce a. Davidson. It is a uh, fucking. Uh, Steve Seagal. Steven Seagal movie with DMX. What? Rest in Did, peace, DMX. We, saw, we must have seen a trailer for this, right? I don't think so. We might have to watch this movie. We might have to review it. All Steve right, Seagal, DMX, week. and Johnny Messner. <laughs> How many times do you think DMX barks in the movie? <laughs> Over under 15. <laughs> I mean, you gotta you gotta hope for your best life. So you, you gotta, gotta slam go the over on that. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> um. So that's hot seat. Uh, oh, what a r- hot seat it is! Speaking r- of hot and temperature, uh, Brahmastra is something that involves fire. I feel um, like you can't say that except in a low growl. Just Brahmastra. Brahmastra. Yeah, I, I, it feels Brahmastra weird not to Dania. say it <laughs> like they do it, Brahmastra. But um, 
just like Avatar is getting a revival, Brahmastra is, uh, you know, hot on those tailcoats and making their Bollywood version of, <laughs> yeah. This this feels I don't know. You say Avatar, I say Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. Mm, okay. Like it's um, all the I'm mythology. Sorry, Peter, it's the mythology come to life. Kind I of have genre. to correct you. It's Percy Jackson and the Olympians is the series. The Lightning Thief is the first. Book. The first one. Wow. Sorry. I don't know. Sorry. I know very little about um, Mr. Jackson. Mr. Percy Jackson. Uh, all I know is uh, that um, of I have to say I'm sorry, Mr. Jackson. But I am for real. <laughs> Never meant to make the theater cry. <laughs> Never meant to make the budget go bye-bye. <laughs> I apologized so, a trillion times. So this is a, a an Indian-like superhero mythical adventure movie, which of course means that the main character is a DJ and has several musical numbers in it, as you do. Hell yeah. Oh, is that is that what his uh shtick? He's DJ Shiva. Oh. Is he a real life DJ? I you know, I don't think so. Oh, I d I don't know. I don't know if I don't fucking know anything about India. So they maybe well, this is like the a, actor's name or his initials DJ? Um, He's Ranbir a real life Kapoor. DJ. Okay, so no. <laughs> That'd be a no. <laughs> I mean that could be his like his stage name, DJ Shiva. Well, I, I thought like when you said musical numbers, like I thought maybe they used his music in the in the movie or something like that. Oh, probably not. But, DJ, okay. I guess I guess some do, but I don't know that DJs are necessarily known for making music. Mm-hmm. So more importantly, I guess um, this is the first. I I assume the, it says in the synopsis that this is the beginning of. Uh, and a an Indian movie cinematic universe. The, the is it the Astroverse. Loki cinematic universe? <laughs> That'd be dope. I I I will get into the uh, the ICU. Vikram, I'll check. I'll uh, consider me half dead because I'll check into that ICU, <laughs> the Indian cinematic universe. Uh, yeah, I mean, it honestly looks like a decent movie. Dare I say? looking dope um like, if they were only white i mean but like yeah this is um looking like a pretty cool concept for a movie just the different uh i mean like it's it's probably gonna be cheesy and like really simplistic in terms of like a superhero movie like a lot of them are Although i, I do this have to, to be, say this, this is gonna is, be uh, this is a part one and it's probably still gonna be like two and a half three hours like uh, we could get yeah. like we could be treading into Lord of the Rings territory with this if you can get like if they have director's cuts or extended cuts. This where you is just spend is all day watching budget. one series of movies. I mean, yeah, the visuals look really, really good on it. So they they probably put a decent amount into the visual work. Okay, yeah, this is this is the big time. This is their push to make Bollywood mainstream. I feel because. How often does a Bollywood film make it on our trailer mm. radar? Not very often. Not often. And mm. apparently, <laughs> Brahmastra the Trilogy is a three-part film franchise in the beginning of India's first original universe, the Astroverse. Its new original cinematic universe... It is a new original cinematic universe inspired by deeply rooted concepts and tales in Indian mythology. 
but set in the modern world with epic storytelling of fantasy, adventure, good versus evil, love and hope, all told using cutting-edge technology and never-seen-before visual spectacles. Um, like I, Peter I said first... before we went on, India is a country populated exclusively by hype beasts. <laughs> yeah, they they get so... like When they're ready to like celebrate a movie they go all out as we've talked as we have you've seen on, i mean the cashmere previous, files speak for themselves yeah. yeah um i like this comment here um on the video it may not be perfect but this is a big step for indian cinema given the smaller budget it's it looks pretty impressive Maybe what is the budget smaller... for this movie <laughs> yeah seriously i think this perhaps is... they mean smaller relative to like the avengers <laughs> let's, gotcha. let's look at the budget. Um, okay, so we got I gotta throw it through the um, the converter here. How many crore is that? It is. It was three billion rupees, which uh, it goes to thirty eight point five million. Oh, that's pretty modest, actually. <clears throat> wow, they stretched those rupees pretty far. That's like is this. Less than that's that's not meaningfully more than Boo Two and Medea. <laughs> yeah, I was I was about to yeah compare it to Boo uh, Two because that was twenty five million. Yes, that number is forever burned into my memory bank. <laughs> Too fucking much for a movie. How the fuck did this cost twenty five billion? You hired YouTubers as actors, like <laughs> I. I, oh my gosh! All right, I love this. Uh, there's a core. When I was looking this up, there's a core question: like, will Ranbir Kapoor's Brahmastra be a fl- uh, a flop movie? And the first, uh, the first answer is it will be big flop. This is a big banner science fiction Avatar like movie, and such a movie needs an experienced director like Rajkumar, uh, yeah, Rajkumar Hirani, Rakesh Roshan. But the command of this 150 crore movie is given to a newbie who is directed. Wake up, Sid, and he has written it also. It will kiss the fate of Mar- Martuki Biji. Wow. Okay, this is this is. I'm not ready for this. Um, <laughs> Matruki Bijli Kamandola. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Thugs of Hindustan. Apologize and- for butchering the name. <laughs> and Kalank, the director of uh, a movie, is like the captain of a cruise. You choose wrong captain, you lose the ship. And sorry for comparing Brahmastra to Avatar. It's a big insult to Avatar and James Cameron. <laughs> oh, wait, what? <laughs> what? What the fuck? That escalated. Wrong quickly. Avatar. <laughs> oh, um, so I did find a list of like all like a bunch of different movies and their budgets. Um, so I scrolled all the way to $38 million. Uh, so this is the same budget as uh, big blockbuster hits like Paul Blart, Mall Cop 2, uh, Riddick, um, you know, Texas Rangers, Twilight, uh, Where the, the Millers, speed. Creed, Dolphin Tale, Game Night, Burn After Reading, 13 Going on 30. Like, this is all the, the category yeah, that it's these in. These are all like mid budget, like comedies. And, well, I guess Creed isn't a comedy, but like. Mm-hmm. mid-budget character movies or, or mid-budget comedies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not like... 
I will say, given the modest budget, the uh, the effects are pretty impressive. I guess that's what happens when you outsource this thing sort of thing to India. <laughs> what if India is outsourcing to a, a to America? <laughs> no, to, to like there's the next tier down. <laughs> like... Well, I guess it'd be insourcing because they're in India. Um. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish has another trailer. That's all we're going to say about that. Um, <laughs> I didn't even bother. <laughs> Persuasion. Uh, it's a Jane Austen adaptation that completely uh, changes the characters, I guess. That's what I what I got from reading the comments on this video. Oh, is, it, mm-hmm. oh, is that what it's about? Um, Persuasion is, a, is, from my understanding, it's a downer of a book. It's kind of... Uh, the most reflective of Jane Austen's life, which was not a particularly glamorous life. Um, and it's got twice as many thumbs down as thumbs up on YouTube. 1.3 up to 2.5 down. Thousand, of course. Um, and a lot of these... <laughs> a lot of these comments are along the same lines. Um, Disgraced Ape comments... Pretty sure Anne expresses herself more in this little trailer than she does in the entire novel. Um, and then Twally Johnson, I couldn't even get through half of this trailer. Why must you mess with Jane Austen and change her characters? Since the persuasion is my absolute favorite, I've been looking for a new adaptation for literally years. Why do you people who love a book want a movie adaptation so bad? Like That doesn't make sense to me. Those never come out well. All you yeah, have to I, do is open up the book and put it on screen. <laughs> I think the hope is like you don't want to have to like do all the do all the met the the actual reading reading. Like you just you like the story. You don't want to have to go through uh, three to five hundred pages over yeah. the course of a week just to get the story again. Wow, people say this is a really good book. I wish there was a movie about it. <laughs> Yeah, audio. Yeah. Like I, I talk a lot about this podcast. Um, no, I, I do do that as well. But let me rephrase that in a manner that makes sense to what I'm going to say next. I talk a lot on this podcast about one of my favorite books, The Forever Forever War. I don't want hmm. that to be a movie. <laughs> I don't have any confidence that that movie would turn out well. Hmm. Interesting. I know I, I was excited when Ender's Game was about to come out because, like, I think for me, I mean, this is this is another reason too. Is that but like, how well did Ender's Game come out? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, well, I was I was excited when it was about to come out because I'm like, this could fit really. Like, I guess the hope is if it's adapted well, it would be a really good movie because it has all the beats and all the ingredients to make a good sci-fi movie. Um, same, even like the same thing with like Artemis Fowl. If they were, you know, the it's the the hope that it was like if they were faithful to what the story was, because um, the story's interesting, and getting to see the story, but with visuals, with actual visuals, um, would have been lovely. But of course, with both of those, 
Uh, that didn't that didn't happen I still refuse to believe that Disney had any intention of releasing Artemis Fowl into theaters. Like <laughs> there's no fucking way. There's just no fucking way. <laughs> yeah. I think they just need to get it off the the docket and like close it out. Get some amount of money back. Yeah, and like to your point, like Artemis Fowl the concept would have been like pretty novel for a film, right? You know, like mm-hmm. telling the story from the perspective of ostensibly the villain, like, you know, kid right. evil criminal mastermind kind of guy. Like, I don't think that's really, if it's been done before, it's not well-trodden ground, but exactly. they went, they went the complete opposite direction they, with it. They blew it. You blew um, it. I- Just like they're going to blow the Matilda musical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so if there's anything that's been even, you know, anything that's even more well-known for just being a being a hit uh, more than adaptations of books is film adaptations of musicals. Especially in modern times, you know? Every modern musical has been just an absolute blockbuster of a hit. Not since Cats will we have seen <laughs> such heights of cinematic success. Cats was a a misstep. <laughs> well, I don't think the Les Mis um, with uh, noted musical draw Hugh Jackman made uh, made a lot of money. Yeah, um, I mean those and those. So the fun. thing is, those two were both produced by the same. Uh, both directed by the same director. I lied and not... made a ton of money. Yeah, I was going <laughs> to say... $441 million. Yeah. I was going to say, Les Mis, I've heard a fuck ton about that. Uh, the... Same with um, The Greatest Showman, too. Um, I don't know if that's like money. a... But that's Hugh Jackman. Hugh mu- Jackman musical. doesn't... like. If you have Hugh Jackman in your musical, it will make money. If you don't have Hugh Jackman in your musical, your chances drastic go down. And if you hold have on, Hugh Jackman on. in your not musical... It also flops. See Remembrance. <laughs> Hold on. They the real test. Be, they wanted that to be a musical so bad. The they real did. test is um, the utter catastrophe that is Into the Woods. Um, oh, Into yeah, the Woods grossed 128 million in North America and 85 million in other territories. 213 million with a budget of 50 million. Okay, people love fucking musicals. Yeah. Does it mean that the actual movies are are really good? Yeah, and that has, not, that's not. true. Like, I think I confused Les Mis because it's bo- it made a lot of money in the box office, but if I recall correctly, it was not received super well by critics. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes. 71% tomato meter, but the okay, fuck off with the ad support. I thought I saw 49% critic score. Yeah, that's that's so about it's worth I noting. I mean, both critically rating, I don't, yeah, I don't think musicals do like all that great. Mm-hmm. Um, Lame is being maybe an exception because I think that was like pretty well done. Um, well, it was, it had the thing going for it where it was Tom Hooper marketed the, the whole thing or the. The movie got marketed as it's it's the real performances. 
it's their on-set performances in the stage, and then you hear the stories of what actually went down, and you're like, well, if you record seven takes of you singing at full force and going full steam over the whole day, maybe that's not, you know, the authentic stage performance if you're still taking, if you can take five takes of the same yeah. musical number. Um, you know, yeah, I, and I then you have to do... The other thing, like, it won a bunch of, like, awards for, I think it won a bunch of awards for, like, sound design and stuff, because the amount of shit you have to go through to make a movie set be, um, uh, yeah, hospitable to live performances is a Mm. lot, because, you know, unlike a stage where it's just the stage and, like, a quiet audience, uh, you have a whole movie set with, like, camera crews and extras and... There's a reason why a lot of movie dialogue has to be replaced after the fact. Yeah. It's not easy to get good sounding audio from the set. Well, I guess we'll never know how well this actually does because it's it's also Netflix. Yeah. Yeah, So so this this musical, the Matilda musical is Netflix. It's also not a Tom Hooper production, which is, uh, he did both Les Mis and Cats. Um, So this is, (laughs) Uh, this is um, Matthew Warkus, I guess. So um, it's just an adaptation of the stage show, which is an adaptation of the old movie, which is an adaptation of the Roald Dahl book. <laughs> we're, we're just moving down the chain. We're several gentlemen. layers deep at this point. We're going to need a hell of a kick to get out of this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there, I, I mean, I for what it is, I like the, I definitely like, what they're kind of presenting here where, you know, when I think about Matilda, I feel like everyone kind of remembers it as like, Oh, it's the girl with like with the powers and she does the thing. And she's also, you know, and like, I remember Dana DeVito, so nice DeVito. <laughs> Yeah. Um, and this one, it's definitely like, it's going for the, the childhood wonderment angle more. Yeah. Which I think was the original intent. Uh, yeah, perhaps. I, I'm not, I'll confess, I'm not a big Matilda guy. Never really, uh, liked the movie that much. Um, but, uh. We're also, yeah. If you're coming here for your Matilda takes, you're not coming to the, for your, <laughs> we were for not your musical the theater audience. takes. We're not yeah. the, we're not the ones, we're the outsiders here. Hey, I, I, I don't realize it's, it's already out. I didn't realize it's already out on Netflix. So of course it is. We can uh, we can is. we can already um, go see if there's any reviews on it. Yeah, actually... we can't. Comments are disabled on any movie towards kids. On oh, that's uh, right. Oh, fuck, I forgot. On yeah. movie clips trailers, so I can't like pulse the zeitgeist that way. But I will note that the thumbs down outnumbered the thumbs up by about six hundred. So pretty split. Okay. Um, but alas, um, we were talking about Puss in Boots. Did we? Did we skip over that? Yeah, we, I, we said that there's a new trailer, and that's all we're gonna say about that. Oh, okay. So you yeah. made a liar out of me, Peter. I expect an oh. apology. I will wait by the phone for your apology. <laughs> I uh, yeah, we so think that's boom, boom. Think blonde. We're good. Blonde teaser yes. trailer. Oh, Ana de Armas uh, is the first Netflix NC17. Uh, movie. It's just oh, a is that trailer. what they're? So, is that the angle they're going for? 
Wait, I I guess MCs? so. I don't think they were going for that though. I think they were just gonna try to go for like the R rating. Um, and I they they just didn't want to cut everything out. Uh, so they got NC seventeen rating. I think if that's still the case, I don't, I don't know if they didn't. I don't. I'm not sure. I don't know, cause like you can click on the trailer and it's not age gated, which no, I think it's... is a rule for NC seventeen movies. I don't think you can advertise without, um, you know, like age gating it. Well, I think this is also there coming are, out right from Netflix. Does lot that of matter? Rules. I, so see, this is the thing. Like, you hardly see NC seventeen as a rating anymore. If a movie goes past R, it's usually just unrated. They don't bother submitting it to the MPAA for a rating. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that allows them to circumvent some of the rules around advertising and marketing for NC-17 movies. Because it's, or at least it used to be, I don't know if it's still the case, like heavily restricted as to what you could and could not do. Um, and, like, you oh. couldn't release NC-17 movies into regular theaters. They had to, like, be released in the porno theaters. <laughs> right. But I it, think, like, it, you can't... Like, with NC-17, like, you... Everyone has to be... Um, no admittance under 17 years old. Yeah. So, like, with an R-rated movie, you can take a kid in if you're accompanied by an adult, um, yep. someone over 21. Um but NC-17, none of that. Nothing. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to look into, like, maybe why it got rated as NC-17. Uh, there might be a pretty graphic rape so scene. So the thing, I think the other thing to know here, I don't know if we've talked about ratings before, but uh, from what I understand, uh, the MPAA just kind of gives it a... There are some guidelines. There's, you know, but because movies are all uh, art, uh, you know at the end of the day there is no like objective you know there's no really hard and fast rules about um what gives what rating like yeah everyone knows like okay you get to say fuck once but that's not like a that's not a quantitative thing um mm -hmm. the it's a board of people who go eh, this probably should be nc-17 yeah this it's is, the mpa is a board you submit it to and uh they have in the past been known for like politically motivated ratings decisions uh mm. not not that that applies to any anything with blonde right, which but is yeah like I am, i'm looking at this now that it is in fact rated nc-17 um so perhaps there there's some uh some mm -hmm. stuff that uh, has changed in terms of what when you can and can't advertise uh, NC-17 stuff for. Fun um, fact about the um, the board is, you know, they do have to... Everything that's been submitted, like, for serious consideration, has to be watched all the way through if they want a rating, um, yes. which has led to some, some troll-slash-protest movies being submitted, one of <laughs> which I believe was eight hours of paint drying. <laughs> Like, here, please give this a rating. You do have to watch this all the way through. And it was, in fact, eight hours of paint drying. Gee. <laughs> yeah. There's just, like, one frame of a nipple in there. 
I might put it to PG. Um, yeah, so that's that's actually kind of interesting. So yeah, Blonde would be the first. The NC so the MPAA rated Blonde as NC seventeen, citing some sexual content, though it didn't elaborate further. For yeah, the Hollywood yeah. Reporter, this would be the first original Netflix film with that rating, though that has hosted other NC seventeen films on its platform before. So yeah, it, this does not happen often. Usually. Well, actually, let me rephrase that. NC-17 ratings are given fairly often to R-rated films that are pushing the edge on the first cut. Um, then they they take the notes that the MPA gave them. They cut out some of the stuff to get it down to rated R. It's usually how that works. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, that's that's kind of interesting. Don't see that. Yeah, uh, like I said, I, they they may have just had one too graphic of a scene, um, and they probably push it over the line. I don't think I don't think this movie is going to be like a ton of sexuality, ton of sexual content because it is kind of like a biopic of her life. So, uh, and the teaser definitely doesn't show the fact that like it's going to be part like, of it. Part of oh, me. look at her fucking everybody. <laughs> I think it's just going to have one bad scene that's going to be like. Ugh. Part of me That's feels like watch. their decision not to recut it for an R rating is like a marketing stuff. Because now I'm I'm curious to like watch this movie and see like why was this rated NC seventeen? Could um, could be yeah. I mean they, I mean yeah. The director did mention that like he tried to get around it, or uh, he thought he was coloring inside the lines, but you know the rating went a different way, and maybe maybe I don't know maybe it's just a critical plot because this is also based off a book um and if that plot point in the book is too much to get rid of uh and they tried getting rid of like elements of it and couldn't get rid of the nc-17 rating then they're like all right i guess we're just going with this i guess the benefit to that is that it's on netflix um and there's probably just going to be like a warning or if if at all they may not have, have anything but I guess like admission to a theater is harder to get uh, for an NC-17 movie than a Netflix one. Mm-hmm. No, anybody can watch this one. Yeah, yeah, like, I, can I see don't that know being how. Issue. Yeah, like um, I'm not sure how how they can enforce NC-17 restrictions on Netflix. <laughs> um, but they're gonna. By God, they're gonna try. <laughs> yeah. All right. My my guess is if this was released in the movies, they probably would have like tried to get around it better. Oh yeah, but, definitely. If this were going yeah. to a theater, like you have to have an R rating. NC seventeen movies don't make money. Um. All right. Mm-hmm. So let's move on now to the follow up. Weekend yeah. twenty three, covering June tenth through the twelfth of twenty twenty two. Uh. Thundering into theaters is Jurassic World Dominion. Hopefully the last of these. Uh, it's, the, it's the end of the second trilogy. So unless they decide that spin-offs are required. Let this which die. they might. I mean, they've they've all made good amount of money. And Jurassic World Dominion got off to a great start here with a $145 wow. million dollar opening weekend. 
Um, in 4,600 theaters, 31,000 per theater take. Um, let's take a look at its updated progress. Thus far, worldwide, it has taken in $438 million. Uh, yeah, this is going to make a lot of money, for sure. Because, um, you know, it's the end of the trilogy. They're bringing back everyone they could possibly bring back. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone who's not dead is being brought back, and it wouldn't surprise me if they did what they did with fucking uh, Harold Ramis and Ghostbusters Afterlife and had, you know, or whoever played Grand Moff Tarkin and fucking Star Wars, how they put him back digitally in, in Rogue One. It wouldn't surprise me if they did that with the actor who played Richard Hammond. Mm-hmm. Um, in second, being dis- deposed and dropping 42.4% is Top Gun Maverick bringing in $51.8 million. Um, Peter and I saw mm-hmm. it. That episode of Masterpiece Theater should be up soonish. I do have to do the editing on it soon, but it's a pretty quick editing mm-hmm. process, I would imagine. Um, so be on the lookout for that soon. Um consensus is it's okay um there is definitely a segment of people that got a lot more out of this than peter and i did for sure the gays hmm the gays possibly the the gen xers i can't call them the boomers anymore because they're not quite that old um yeah um I feel like but. people who have fond memories of the first Top Gun will, will like this. I just don't find plain Let action me... sequences to be very engaging. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 got, I, I thought those were pretty enjoyable. But um, I, I will say, you know, to kind of give you the mental image here, uh, the weekend matinee we went to was a hot audience. Yes, it uh, definitely. A lot they of were people... excited for this, for sure. <laughs> there, there were ladies behind us going, "Oh, oh, Jen, oh no, he's good. He's in trouble." Like you know, they were, yeah, they, they were, were that on kind the of edge of their going. seat, despite like all the writing in the movie being so cliche and predictable to that point. That like Peter and I are like saying things, and then they're happening minutes later. <laughs> yeah, it's it's that kind of movie, <clears throat> but it's uh, it's cleaning up. It's brought in almost. A billion worldwide, sitting at eight hundred oh, million. Crazy. Um, yeah. So Tom Cruise another top plus a, you know plus Top Gun equals money. Yeah. Um, in third is Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness in its sixth week, down forty one point or forty three point one percent out of four hundred twenty theaters. Blaze it. Um, that has brought in $935 million worldwide. Top Gun's on its heels. It's hot on its heels. It might, it might in fact, catch it. Who knows? It, it probably, I mean, it probably will. Seeing how, you know, it's still making $50 million. Well, if it continues mm-hmm. this dropping at this rate, I think it will fall a little short. But this is just a domestic box office. So we don't, we don't have like the trends for overseas yeah yeah uh bad guys is in fourth still (laughs) only down 24.2 percent man these kids movies like they have tails man like they don't drop 
hard like some of these other movies do. Well, I mean, yeah, as, as we've said before, um, those kind of movies is just you'll see it. The parents say to their kids, "You'll see it when you see it." When we have like time, and the yeah. ads for these movies don't, since they're running on kids networks, right? They don't stop running for months. Like I, yeah. you know, I think of the movie trailers we saw when we were kids and watching like you know the wb you know saturday morning or um cartoon network right and you get this like the same ads will just run for fucking months and they'll run right up until it's on dvd (laughs) yeah oh sure um Um, so there's no there's not the push to go see the premiere unless it's like the digimon movie kids aren't going to see the they aren't like rushing to see the premiere it is the digital. I wonder movie. I wonder how many people are or how many kids or families are seeing it twice. I'm sure there's a lot of kids who won't shut up about it and their parents just to get them to quiet down for two hours or however long the movie is will take them to see it again. Yeah. Um and then it'll go into the the uh Blu ray C D rack yep. the rest of time. The bad, uh, we just did that. The Bob's Burgers movie <laughs> falls two spots from third to fifth, down 46.8%. Big oof, $2.46 million out of 820 theaters. My God. Um, in its third week, it's made $30 million worldwide. That is well, well, eh. it might be at budget now. Mm hmm. So that's it's probably a little disappointing for 20th Century Studios. Yeah, as l- hopefully the the television numbers will bump up to you know accommodate or make sense, or it'll just go into Disney's slush fund. <laughs> like yeah. we'll take the hit <laughs> on it. Um, um, Downton Abbey: A New Era is down a spot into six. From fifth down forty five percent in its fourth week, one point seven five seven million dollars out of fourteen hundred theaters, eighty six million dollars worldwide. But as it comes out of fourteen hundred theaters, it slides into our spotlight because pickings be slim. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Downton Abbey: A New Era currently enjoys a eighty six percent. Rating on Rotten Tomatoes, a 63% on Metacritic, and 7.6 out of 10 on IMDb. Um, so, generally mixed but favorable reviews uh, is what that would, would tell you. And we don't care what, what that tells you because we know where to go for the good information. You have to find it under bridges, under rocks, in in sewers of chinatown um this is where you'll find (laughs) the real reviews the real reviewers who write (laughs) real reviews and submit them for your listening pleasure to imdb.com and one such one such person here is uh ladravic hyphen two so there's another one of them running around um downton abbey a new era 10 out of 10 Perfect. 
exclamation mark. Submitted the 24th of May, 2022. I just loved this movie. Unlike the first one, which seemed a little contrived and formulaic, this picture has enough surprises to satisfy the harshest critic. Plot twist and turn, singular. Plot twist and plots twist and turn. Okay. You'll laugh and cry and, of course, enjoy the scenery, architecture, costumes, vehicles, boats. I'm sorry. I have to stop you right there. A boat is a vehicle. (laughs) Dining (laughs) tables and period reaction. Oh, recreations. Ellipses. The plot pays homage to singing in the rain. My Fair Lady and the artist in a delightful way. I'm curious to see how it pays homage to the artist. It's clearly in color. With lots <laughs> of in-jokes about theatricals and the movie business as well. That's a fucking double dash. As well as the British class system and French-British rivalry. Another ellipses. Perhaps Fellower's next sequel might be a full-blown musical? Question mark. At times, I was waiting for the characters to break into song. Uh, ellipses. Waiting to find out, colon, can they sing? <laughs> Question mark. Bravo to the cast, crew, and producers of this gem. Double hyphen. Oscars for everybody! Exclamation mark. Yes. Three out of five, five found that helpful. That was somebody's mother. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's going to be the thing about these reviews is that I feel like everyone's going to be well, I and mean, everyone's going to have well-spoken reviews. Well, based they watch on the Downton Abbey, based on the demographics who enjoy the show, Downton Abbey, I think most of the people writing reviews to this are somebody's mother. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this is a review. This one out of ten is a review from somebody's crotchety grandmother, and her name is Kelly Bethka. I'm rating it one star because it's 1999 to rent. Really? I've seen prices go up in the grocery store. <laughs> Recently returned a bag of cherries that rang up $19.11. <laughs> but what's the excuse for movies? <laughs> Apparently, I need to have 150 characters. I suppose I'll have to wait for it to get cheaper. (laughs) Five out of 13 found that helpful. (laughs) They fucking like Maricino cherry shoes, $19.11. That's a lot. That's what I'm talking about. And and rightfully so. This does deserve a one out of ten for those cherries. Those cherries. <laughs> Fuck those cherries. It's more they expensive cherry, to rent this cherry, movie. Boom, boom, you just got cherry cherry boom boom gagad. <laughs> You've just uh, been coconut mauled. Coconut mauled. Um I have this four out of ten here from A. Ramsdale. Posh movie set. Never watched the TV series, but have watched both films. So I may have missed out on a lot of characters and their histories, but I did stay awake throughout and watch to the end, unlike a lot of the blockbusters, which I walked out of recently. Yes, this movie is definitely a blockbuster. (laughs) As usual, with most of the film, 
in the last few years. It's too long. If it was 20 minutes shorter, I would have given it a higher score, and it would have been a better film. 4 out of 10. 7 out of 31. You know what? That's, that's kind of fair, though. Trim it down, kids. He's right. A lot of movies have been overly long recently. Looking at you, Top Gun. <laughs> Clear Vision Team. So a team of people put their heads together to write this review. That's, I want that's you the to optomet- bear that in mind. Like the whole optometry offices has one IMDb. The, yeah, they went out for what? for for movies on the lunch. Mm-hmm. Um, this this review is written entirely in caps, so I will do my best as I move the microphone further away from my f- mouth. To, to capture it in its in its essence here. I love, love, love it. Would give it a thousand stars. The story was delightful. The wardrobes and gowns were elegance and beautiful morals were top notch. Scenery was breathtaking. A little <laughs> intrigue. Closure of old storylines. The possibility of new storylines. <laughs> no cursing and no violence. Real communication and surprises. I love it. Uh, there was six exclamation marks after the end of that, and every sentence was punctuated with an exclamation mark. <laughs> wow. Literally everyone. Two out of four found that helpful. I need to see what else the Clear Vision team has reviewed. Nothing. Okay. No. Okay. <laughs> One and done, as they say. IMDb member uh, for four weeks. <laughs> nice. So, Quen Chow says, one out of ten. Another worst sequel! Exclamation. Talking too much and full of annoying overuse scene. Bored to freaking death! That's the title. This is, I think this is a banger. I, I wanted to use the, the tube of toothpaste one, but this is, I think, better. Um... This film start with a couple marry at the church and a bunch of people taking photo scene. As turn out, this film is about Robert need to inherit a villa at France. While filming activity occur in Downton Abbey. Oh, Downton Abbey. There's a lot of random exclamations that I'm going to try to get, but sometimes they just like come out of nowhere like a jump scare. <laughs> um Entire film full of boring conversation and annoying overuse scene, such as overuse of walking scene, overuse of the searching scene, overuse of the staring scene, and overuse, sorry, overuse of the arguing scene, overuse of the calling name scene, overuse of the long angles scenery scene, overuse of the drinking scene, overuse of the eating scene, overuse of the dancing scene, overuse of the singing scene, overuse of the riding on the ship scene, overuse of the car driving on the road scene, overuse of the taking photo scene, overuse of the filming scene, and overuse of the kissing scene. Make the film unwatchable. (laughs) At the end, Violet died! (laughs) Sorry, spoilers. (laughs) That was me. (laughs) Lucy having her baby at the very end. That's it! Wasting time to watch! (laughs) Zero out of three found that helpful. I can't imagine. I 
I did not pre-read and I did not realize it had a uh, listicle of overuse. <laughs> Sounded like fucking the stews from whatever Mario game the stews are from. <laughs> yeah. Jeez, that was a trip. Sweet. Oh, Lord. And finally, uh, we got one here from Texas State University 60549. Three out of ten. I had to go in the three out of tens for this. And it was so worth it. Snorefest. Major fan, major bore. The creator needs to shed some more characters off and return it from its woke state. They need to age marry and jump into the 30s already. Cut the parents and the older staff. It doesn't work. And for God's sake, don't bring Edith or Tom back. They drag the pacing. Lose the sappiness and bring back some grit. The ending was unnecessary just to bring out the tears. It didn't work. Downton fans should receive more quality from its creator. Have fellows contact my people. I have a third movie that will rock the Downton family. <laughs> it needs a shake-up. <laughs> I want to believe so bad that that is the actual voice of the guy. <laughs> Just this fucking Texas cowboy talking in detail about his objections to the new town happy movie. Uh, Edith and John, they just ruined they ruin the pacing. They ruin the pacing. <laughs> six out of thirteen, and it really should be more. It really sh- that that should be thirteen out of six. You <laughs> need to flip that script. <laughs> I, I have a third movie that'll rock the fandom. Uh all right. Um, everything, everywhere, all at once continues hanging around in its 12th week, bringing $1.36 million, uh, up to $85 million worldwide, almost $86 million. Firestarter, for some reason, jumps 732.8%. Yep, I have the scoop on this one. I was like, Ooh. I saw that too, and I was like, what the fuck? Um, so apparently, they they did a deal. They pulled a deal, and they got this bundled with... Uh, Jurassic World Dominion for the double features at the drive-in theaters. I see. So this was the, oh. this was literally the B movie to Jurassic World oh. Dominion, and because Jurassic World Dominion made all the money, <laughs> Firestarter got a portion of all the money, and so that brought it up. What is that? Uh, Fifteen slots? How many? A, let's, a very small 14 portion slots. That's of crazy. all the money. Because I just want to refresh everyone's memory here as it's the, the hard numbers. Jurassic World Dominion this weekend, $145 million. Firestarter, $833,000. Wow. <laughs> um, that's why back in the top 10. Yeah, it did. It, it, it launched itself <laughs> into the top 10. It's made a whopping $14 million now. That's almost a tenth of what Jurassic World made this weekend. <laughs> Decimating Jurassic World's profit margins. Um, in ninth, down a spot, is Sonic the Hedgehog 2 in its tenth week. You've you've done well, buddy. Um, down another 56% out of 1,000 theaters. Still bringing in 750K. It's made uh, $398 million worldwide, so almost 400 mil. Good, good job, Sonic. And... Ante Sundharankini, um, 
Apologies. I know Ante, that's I think definitely yeah, not how you say Sundaraniki. that. Sundaraniki. That sounds a little, little more probable. Opened in 10th in just 350 feeders, bringing in a cool $620,000. This does not appear to be affiliated with the Astroverse nor the LCU. (laughs) (laughs) It's its own thing. Like, this is positive. It's positively indie, guys. It's it's an indie Bollywood movie. That's where we're at now. It's disruptive. So it's, into the mainstream. it's a movie about this. It's a from what I read. That's a Brahmin. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, no. It a Hindu Brahmin falls for a Christian girl and trains her to be a Brahmin in Brahmin to convince his parents, only for their plan to be revealed. Yes. Wait, wait That's a second. Weird. So let me get this straight. A Brahmin guy falls in love with a Christian girl. And their plan yeah. is to convince her to become Brahmin. But yeah, their parents yeah. find out. Wouldn't wouldn't that be like inclusive in the plan? What a what an absolutely yeah, zany plot. Yeah. This Only for their plan movie. to be revealed. Like, I mean, their plan wah, wah. would have been revealed on upon successful completion of the plan, would it not? <laughs> Well, I think the idea is like, oh, they never find out because they're. I, I'm gonna take a fucking shot in the dark and be like, the parents are like, why don't you marry a good Brahmin girl? You know, but it's like, but I really love this girl, so we're gonna we're gonna so pull a sneaky. So you want to marry this weird? Isn't cow? that the plot of my big fat Greek wedding? <laughs> I think so. I think this is. What is a Brahmin? Uh, all right. Well, let's so listen, let's. Switch over to gaming news here. Um, huh, controversial tactical shooter, ready or not, has been removed from Steam without explanation. Um, this incident happened shortly after adding a nightclub level on the anniversary of the Pulse shooting. But Void Interactive says the removal was simply a technical error. Um, so... I don't choose what you believe. I I I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt that when they pushed out whatever update contained this level, there was a content other than the nightclub level, and b mm-hmm. they were unaware of the significance of the date. Yeah, there's. I mean, I I guess the hot topic this this year has been. Um, it's it's not only this like Juneteenth's coming up, um, on tomorrow. <laughs> uh, so you know when we recorded this, um, and there's I guess there's been a slew of uh, they're they're trying to be inclusive about the new holiday, but like tripping up. I think there one there's one I saw where they um, I guess the Halo Infinite, the new skin they released for Juneteenth, uh, it went by the the accidental dev name of Bonobo. Oh no. <laughs> they they yeah. pulled a Yui on that one quick. Oh that was uh, probably just the, a, an honest yeah. mistake. <laughs> it was the fastest fix he'd ever seen. <laughs> I I the thing about that is what well, kinda makes me laugh is like uh 
Juneteenth, as much as anything, is a celebration of how slow news traveled back in those days. Yeah, not true. <laughs> like, shouldn't we celebrate the day the 13th Amendment was ratified? <laughs> like, that seems a little more on theme, does it not? So the um, extended, the extended apology to this, yeah. So they they released a Juneteenth skin. Uh, they renamed it to Freedom afterwards. Um, we were made aware of the palette option on the Juneteenth emblem that we contained our term that was offensive and hurtful. Yada yada yada. The explanation to this, uh, more so, is that it was a reference to an internal tool set called Bonobo. Uh, and Bonobo is, um, I think, just a software that they use to like design it's stuff. Probably their model editor. It's an asset editing program yeah, at use in three four three. It's widely known, popular to uh, the employees in the studio. So they may have just used. Yeah, like my thought was that like they found this in the metadata or something, or like there are some sort of like. Uh, data mining, and they saw Bonobo on this skin, and maybe it was like a file name. I have like a Juneteenth Bonobo sure. skin. I think I it actually came up as high. the title. Like I saw the screenshot on of the gameplay where it said, like when you buy the skin, it said. Uh, yeah, that's probably name. just a, an error in in like pulling the wrong part of the the file data or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, like I I would very confidently say that. At no point internally did they have this Juneteenth skin named Bonobo. That <laughs> doesn't seem seem uh, very likely to me. It, I, I guess it was the nameplate palette. I mean, I don't think that matters too much, but it's the it's a very small like aspect of the skins so i i don't know i mean no it's it was simply a mistake and they corrected it like mm-hmm. i i don't think there was any malice intended at any point no. in this process one would hope not um i don't know why they would why they would ever like because that would be like found out super easily if they did want to like do something yeah like that's like ma- like, malicious yeah they're not dumb. Like it doesn't make sense <laughs> Epic's yeah. free multiplayer tools let developers enable Steam crossplay. In 2019, Epic made the online servers developed for Fortnite freely available to any game developer who wanted to use them. Software development kit includes systems for friends lists, matchmaking, lobbies, leaderboards, stat tracking, and cross-platform multiplayer. Recently, it's brought crossplay between PC and PlayStation to Fall Guys and all its playlists, and now Epic Online Services lets developers enable crossplay between Epic and Steam without having, I would assume, to to resort to something like the Shift Network with Gearbox, because we all know how how stable and great those servers have been for us. Uh, um, so Netflix is uh, capitalizing on Squid Game's uh, success, not only in announcing a sequel uh, to it, but they are also doing a real Squid Game competition where the winner will become a multi-millionaire. <laughs> um, now, Mr. Beast did this. Now, Mr. Beast did crazy good. Um, trying to think uh, if they talked about how much he actually got, like, or how much views he got, but I want to say it was, like, 
Of course. A quarter of a billion views or something like that on like a, you know, 20 minute video. That's a, the, that's a ton of money. From what I've seen, like the production of the production values of Mr. Beast's YouTube channel is now such that he can just like fucking make anything happen. The one I, the one that I don't like watch his videos, but the one that fucking popped up recently was one where he just fucking recreate. He did like a like a game show style challenge where he just recreated the entire fucking chocolate factory. Yeah, Willy Wonka. Wonka. And then he sold the factory, and he, the winner got five hundred thousand dollars. Man's got Hollywood um, money. So I, I've I've heard interviews with Mr. Beast where he rolls that into the next video. So everything that he profits off of one video, he rolls into the production of the next video. Right. Um, with the which is like possibly an infinite money glitch if it's successful. <laughs> Some would call it uh, a job or an industry. Well, I mean, but he doesn't, I don't think he profits as much as everybody else thinks he profits off, like personally. Like he's not out there buying himself like a you know a mansion or he he's doing that for other people and i think a lot of it is probably like tax reasons right. he probably just you know shoves a ton of that as like oh i donated or gave away all this money gave away a house oh, sure. or some shit and um, i just by that which is great just my thought of that is like hey look the owner and so you know the main the the head of the business isn't funneling all the money from profits into his own bonuses and it's succeeding. Interesting how yeah. that works. Yeah, yeah. And it's like the, the product, which his videos, are arguably getting better and better. Uh, and he's able to do more and more Jake, stuff. Jake, I don't, I'm not comfortable with you coming around here and insinuating that reinvesting in your people and your company is a better way to do business than giving executives large bonuses. I, I can't allow that to be i can't i can't let that pinko commie commie propaganda be spread on my show damn it i think the capitalistic overlords are at my door (laughs) they want a word they want to send me to a a nice little getaway camp they're jumping out of uh the fucking helicopters with their golden parachutes (laughs) yeah (laughs) i can hear the thudding on my roof (laughs) amazon is giving away 30 games on Prime Day, including Mass Effect Legendary Edition. Um, the list includes 10 Second Ninja X. Um, the event kicks off um, 3 a.m. Eastern on July 12th and will run through July 13th, but the game giveaways will begin ahead of that on June 21st with 25 indie games from the past and present. Um, okay, these aren't indie games, but I'll read the list nonetheless. 10 Second Ninja X. Eight Doors, Arum's Afterlife Adventure, Adding Adventures, Bang Bang Racing, Clouds and Sheep 2, Death Squad, Squared, Death Squared, Fatal Fury Special, Gianna Sisters, Twisted Dreams, Gone Viral, Hugh, Manual Samuel, Metal Slug 2, Metal Unit, Pumped BMX Pro, Puzzle of the Year 10-Pack, Rain World, Road Trip 3-Pack, Samurai Chewdown, they forgot the W show. <laughs> Samurai Showdown 2, Serial Cleaner, The Crow's Eye, Dark Side Detective, Dark Side Detective of Fumble in the Dark, King of Fighters 2000, King of Fighters 2002. So um, quite a few old SNK fighters in that list. Um, and then half another half dozen games will join the mix when Prime Day proper gets underway on July 12th. The headliner is Mass Effect 
Legendary Edition, uh, but some may appreciate titles such as Grid Legends, Need for Speed Heat, Star Wars fans will get uh, Jedi Knight, uh, Jedi Academy, and Jedi Knight, Jedi Outcast, and Republic Commandos. Um, all solid titles, especially Jedi Outcast. That's a great game. You all should play it. Um, and that's that. Activision Blizzard, shockingly, finds no evidence of widespread misconduct at Activision Blizzard. Good job, guys. Really Our internal investigation really revealed no wrongdoing. <laughs> Words that have never been said before. Complete shock. Absolutely novel result. All right. So that's that's a wrap on gaming news. Let's talk about troubles. a movie. We got some troubles. Big trouble, big trouble in, in Little China. Uh, I am so happy I had no fucking idea what this movie was about <laughs> when I entered it. You had how, how blind were you going into this? Like have you heard of it before? I my knowledge of Big Trouble in Little China, I've heard of it. I um when they were like oh Kurt Russell's in it, I'm like, oh yeah, I remember I I remember the poster. I remember the poster of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the poster. guy in the tank top with the with the well, I don't know what gun it is, but it's the, the MP5 you know, or some of, shit like that. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, no idea what the plot. For some reason, I thought this was like maybe in like a dystopian future or something like that. <laughs> um, so when it was just a truck driver in the beginning, I was like. Well, not in the beginning. It was the, uh, I guess, it, maybe the lawyer office with uh, That's one of the, the guys. the framing device prologue. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and then and then the guy and then Jack Burton just driving his uh, semi. Express. Pork chop, driving the pork chop express. Uh, I was like, what the fuck's happening? And it wasn't until, wasn't until the first major fight scene that I was like, is this going to be the rest of the movie? And if so, I'm here for it. Where he's just in the truck, just kind of holding up his knife, being like, "Yeah, in classic." Am I gonna do something? Yeah. I don't know. You don't know. The director doesn't know. I'm just gonna sit here and watch this mm-hmm. smorgasbord of in Chinese ninja yeah. kung fuery <laughs> take place. Yeah. I'm just like, it, okay. <laughs> it's it's John Carpenter. It's John Car- Carpenter mode where it gets real weird real quick. Um, and like you're just immediately thrown into this surreal situation um yeah this is i i it you know what i told kurt this before the movie and uh, jake this maybe this will spark something in your brain this reminds me even though i this came before those movies this reminds me of um oh now i can't remember his name who's the dude who did the fucking uh, the french dispatch uh he does all the Wes indie anderson movies. Yeah, this reminds me of fucking Wes Anderson. Um in in the way it's just like it the it's almost real but just really not. And the the spaces and the setting is kind of, you know, it's it reminiscent of of real life, but not uh, really. This and feels fairly classic John Carpenter to me. <laughs> yeah. And I I think that's I mean, it's also classic with John Carpenter. Like I think I feel like I I feel deep down that John Carpenter was one of the influences of Wes Anderson. That's my hot take for this episode. I I I remember you saying that, and when I watched the movie, I did not 
feel that same way <laughs> as you did. And that can just be my that can just be my hot take then. Um, but yeah, it's it's a pretty dry comedy, all things considered, because Kurt Russell is the secret comic relief. Yeah, I mean it's not I mean, secret secret, but like the way the movie like is framed to make him the hero, but how he's actually the the comedy is. Yeah, he is he does not drive the plot in a in a meaningful way. So like he's it's, it, the character of Jack Burton is ahead of its time in in a lot of ways, um, such as like you know he's not overly heroic he had some questionable motivations like he's he's really in this just to to get his money and to maybe get laid um yeah like those are get his money get his truck those are those are his motivations they're very self-serving um motivations and you know he you can tell he has some care and camaraderie for some of the other characters but it's it's pretty pretty limited he, he doesn't come across as overly heroic and by deed he he does very little uh to drive the plot forward or even contribute to the effort except for dealing the final blow to the big mm-hmm. bad he kills one guy and the main bad guy um but his yeah his character works kind of for all the same reasons that like han solo works as a character yeah, there's similar like rogue archetypes, you know, like the mm-hmm. the reluctant hero, devilish rogue type, the um, sarcastic, uh, you know, smarmy kind of guy. Yeah, and I'm I'm sure Kurt Russell would would point to Harrison Ford's performance as Han Solo as kind of a point of inspiration for how he he attacked Jack Burton. That and John Wayne, because he put on the John Wayne accent for the whole thing. Oh yeah. Well, you see a big muscly guy coming up to you in the bar, and you say, "Checks in the mail." <laughs> you paid your dues, Jack. Yes, sir. Checks in the mail. <laughs> um, yeah, a lot of great lines in this movie. Um, a lot of great like sight gags in this movie. <laughs> I did not realize that. Um, uh, I, one of the first of many surprises was that was that this ripped the. Um, the fight scene, the the beginning, like um, where all the anchormen get together yeah. uh, and, and start having that that rumble royale. Mm-hmm. This movie ripped it right from there and had their own little rumble royale. Yes, in the this beginning. movie copied a movie that came out. Uh, yeah, this twenty four years was like, later. I, I was like, hey, all art is derivative. I'm like, I'm here for it. So they put their own little Chinese twist on it, and I was <laughs> I was there for it. Um, I I'll also say that the 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 physical stuff of the movie, you know, the set design, the sound design was great. This practical the the practical effects were really great. Like, there's nothing like mid '80s movies mm-hmm. for like their practical bodysuit effects. Like, yeah, I, I think of this movie and I think of Total Recall and just the the grotesqueness of some of these practical effects. Yeah, absolutely, and. Like, the sets, I've said this before, but it's how you know it's a 90s, 80s movie, is that there's just shit everywhere on the set. There's just (laughs) stuff. Set dressing out the wazoo. Like, 
It's like, you know, it's like your uh, meditarian cousin when he has to eat, like, a salad. He'll just, he'll drown it in dressing. <laughs> oh, Come. my God, I love this. I, I love going through the trivia. I knew this this movie would be ripe, ripe with Yeah, this seems like one of those where they goops. dig into every aspect of it. It's a cult uh, hit. The, the Chinese characters in the main title translate to evil spirits make a big scene in little spiritual state. <laughs> I love that. That's I want a tattoo of that. <laughs> the Chinese characters, not the translation. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, wow, this was um, so. And it's another. So they they just jump right into it. So they, yeah. they they they're having this beginning aspect of like they're uh, playing this like uh, gambling game thing, and 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 then he's got to go to the airport well, again, you have and pick the up a girl, device, which is really important. For the one aspect, the Who? only important thing, I mean, the main important thing about the frame device is magic is real. Like, they show the the effect to be like, okay, it's this kind of story, yeah. and then they jump right yeah. into it. Um, who, uh, I forgot, who was who was talking to him? That was, was that, that um, was his yeah. lawyer. He was being deposed. Okay. By, the, by an attorney. It was about to be his attorney, or potentially his attorney. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, you know. Oh, Egg Shen. Egg Shen. Egg Shen, yes. Egg Shen. Yeah, he has the the Egg uh, Fu Young's tours. Sorry, <laughs> that's the name of his tour company. Oh, gotcha. All right, yeah. Egg, Egg Shen uh, is being deposed, and he he, you know, when you start it off, it's like, oh, this Jack Burton must be some sort of like hero to them. Uh, like he's like, you know, maybe he's this badass he person. So much already. And then you you um kind of uh compare that to like the first opening scene where he's on the uh uh not the opening scene but the the next scene where he's like driving his truck down and and doing yes, the whole the, bit the about the way stuff. that egg shen describes i think it's an intentional juxtaposition uh yeah, the the heroic yeah. nature and and selfless nature with which egg shen describes jack burton does not at all translate to how he is in real life yeah, when he's introduced, he's like he's that he's that truck driver, the the driving the the pork chop express, and and then also you know hassling his friend to get pay, have him pay up for mm-hmm. uh, you know chopping the a bottle in of, half. Yeah, a night yeah. of and drinking also and a little bit of um uh like foreshadowing yeah. to his uh his his knack of reflexes. This is how you do a good reflex. setup and payoff. Yeah. It, it, and they do Quality it. They show it multiple times throughout the movie. His his impeccable reflexes, um, and that is is the, uh, as we mentioned a big payoff in the end. Um, this movie was a commercial failure, um, but went on to gain a cult following later. Mm-hmm. And it uh, this was the first like big studio movie that John Carpenter ever directed. And because it flopped, he's like, Hollywood fucking sucks. I'm out of here. And he went back to indie <laughs> filmmaking. But John Carpenter did his John Carpenter thing. He directed. He uh, he did the music. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <coughs> so um, it's it, it is very reminiscent of um, it makes me think of like of what I've seen from Escape from New York. Again, I, that's another movie I haven't seen. That's a good one. Uh, which I probably should, but a lot of that movie, from what I understand, is is a very cinematic or a very atmospheric, quiet kind of cityscape kind yes. of deal. And that's the same vibe here is that like 
the places are very, it's very uh, well considered, like the yeah. the setting and the space, um, and that's what makes re- that's what makes for a good adventure movie. It's the same it's the same principle as we saw in Dread, which was like if you make it doesn't have to be a big fucking thing that they're doing as long as there's a like a clear like through line of the adventure. Yeah, it's, this is really it's kind of similar. Now that you kick something off in my brain here, it is kind of similar to movies like Dread and The Raid, where it is a a incremental progress assault on mm-hmm. a singular location. Well, I guess in this case, two assaults on a singular location. <laughs> right. Um, but it is that you you can feel the sense of progress to to the story it's like levels in a video game uh which is not a bad way to do a movie like that you want to feel like goals are being achieved throughout the film and progress is being made with the characters and that way you kind of you're more invested in the movie because you get that that dopamine hit of seeing seeing them succeed and then you're you're there when something goes wrong like you know the 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 elation of them escaping with the girls is immediately cut by uh I think her name is Grace. Yes. Yeah, Gracie. Uh yeah. Or or was it the other lady? Um well they didn't so. get they didn't get uh Oh Jesus Christ. Um what's her name? Check that cast, baby. They didn't get Wang's I, girlfriend. Her. Yeah, the first time. Um, where is she? And Gracie oh, Law Miao, got, Miao Yin? Yeah, Miao Yin. Um, and Miao Gracie Yin. Law got caught on their way out. So like that immediately undercut it and set the stakes for the next, um, next raid on the place. And you introduced mm-hmm. other elements. Well, I mean, Egg Egg Shen was introduced earlier as an expert on Chinese mythology and and all this sort of stuff, um, and they bring him in and his angle, he has a personal stake in this, you know, it's his destiny to destroy uh, uh, the Lo big Pen. bad, Lo Pen. And so you have him and he ha- he br- brings in the gain from earlier that, that fought them. And uh, <laughs> just the, the, the dialogue in this is very exposition heavy. Like if a character yes. is talking, they're dumping information on you for the most part, mm-hmm. unless it's Kurt Russell. He's like yeah, the only and, character who acts and talks like a regular human being. And his most of his dialogues, what the heck is going on? What is this? And what he's all doing? of us. What, like what do you he mean? is really, he's, he's a perfect, they do him as an audience surrogate so well yeah. because they just, they, they throw you, the audience, in there with Jack. You're just the same. There's all this fucking weird, fantastical shit happening with zero explanation. <laughs> and you're like, what the fuck is going on? And then Jack turns to the character and says, what the fuck is going on? And they don't. They don't. And the thing was, for the beginning of the movie, like, no one fucking answers anything of what he's saying. Yeah, they're like, there's no time. Keep going. And, like, every time you think that they have a beat and they're going to explain what the fuck happened, like, something will happen. They'll have to run again. Like, they really do a good job of, like, stringing you along for the ride. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it really felt like a roller coaster ride of just, like, 
just more and more layers of this thing happening and they're just like thrown into it just from the from the get-go it's like they're they just went to the airport to pick up a girl next thing you know they're in the middle of a fucking game all he wanted all jack wanted was his money from the bed (laughs) that's and i you know what and it ever was i like how it's not too complicated how like he lost his truck too like they just got out of the truck and stole and it. had to run away, yeah. and he's like, "I left my truck back there." And they stole his oh, truck. Oh no! Yeah. <laughs> and then the people like just took it. They're like, yeah, "We'll just take his truck." <laughs> it's like that's fine. You don't need some like convoluted plot of like them getting carjacked or something, and then unnecessary scenes. That, like, or or it makes really good progress with what with the, with the scenes that it and has. And his motivation for getting the truck back is just it's his truck and he wants it back. It's not like there's yeah. oh I've got sentimental artifacts x y or z in there you gotta or get like oh my shit. boss is gonna get me he's like oh i he can't get through to the insurance people <laughs> so he's like yeah. i guess i need to get my truck back <laughs> otherwise i don't got a job <laughs> uh, my mother my mother bought me that truck right before she died and you know i had my first child it's none of that delivered shit, yeah. on that truck. and you don't need <laughs> it's that like shit. there's nothing yeah you don't need it um yeah, like a lot of this movie, you just have to see it um, to like believe it. Like our words will not do it justice, but in the overall things, it's a fairly like Peter said, a dry comedy martial arts movie. And uh, you know, there are, there are dummies out there who will uh, say like, "Oh, Crazy Rich Asians was so important because it was the first like majority Asian cast." <laughs> To lead a, a, a box office movie, uh, us intellectuals will say Big Trouble in Little China was the first one to do it. And, like, to be fair, like, yeah, they are the all the Asian American characters or Asian characters are, are the primary driving forces for the plot. Like, Jack and Gracie are just kind of along for the ride. <laughs> yeah, it's, um, I love it. It's a, it was a really good movie. I, I thought it was fun, uh, entertaining. Um, a lot of the charm is also the special effects that they have. Um, just like, you know, you're not being just slapped in the face with CG every second, but the CG that they do include in there is kind of jarring. But yeah, there's some acceptable. It's, it's fine for the time. It's Ghostbusters level CG. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Like they're editing in the rain, falling in the rooftop, and the the guys riding the the lightning like it's a fucking ele- elevator, yeah. <laughs> fire pole, reverse um, fire pole. The there are some uh, effects that just go like really like uh, some some effects that make you just like realize that this is just a full on you know the full on passion of it. Like I just think of stuff like. Um, they're in. They're underground. They're under Chinatown in the swamp, like the weird swamps. <laughs> Carol's like oil. Yeah. It's like no blood of the earth, <laughs> um, and just a fucking a incredibly detailed, like really well put together fucking puppet monster comes out and just eats a dude. And yeah. that's the only time it shows up in the movie. <laughs> Immediately, a fireball is thrown, and he said he won't come out again. And you're like, what? He won't. That won't happen <laughs> and again. And Russell's like, what the <laughs> fuck was that? <laughs> what won't come think, out again? <laughs> I think when I started getting a little lost was when they started introducing, like, the monsters and stuff and weird shit. Oh, yeah, the, like the floating the eyeball the yeah. thing. 
the yeah. floating eyeball thing. And there's that was, never like, explained. The weird beholder. It's yeah. like a little baby beholder. Yeah, it's a baby beholder that's just like grunting around, and I'm like, what? Why? Wait. <laughs> and he just fucking hits it with like a fucking pipe or some <laughs> shit. He shoots it. And he's yeah. like, well, you never know unless you try. <laughs> I'm like, the, yes, this guy right here. He is. He's a. He's a perfect everyman in this situation. He doesn't fucking. One of my 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 favorite scene in the movie is it's a, it's a comedy scene and I don't know why I find it so funny but I do but it's when they're in the elevator after they drink the magic potion and mm-hmm. and Jack Burns like yeah I feel good I feel <laughs> yeah I feel like, I feel like we can do this I feel pretty invincible right now yeah. everyone's like yeah yeah uh, awkward silence is this just real hot in here. <laughs> And this of course, me. immediately after it, they're setting up for the big climactic battle, and and everyone's doing like their fucking katas, and Jack doesn't know any kung fu or anything, so he just <laughs> shoots his gun up in the air, <laughs> and it drops his lodges a cinder block that falls on his head I, and knocks him out <laughs> for the first half of the climax. <laughs> that fucking got me. I love that. <laughs> like, it just it fits with every part of the movie. There's like, there's no scene where he's just like, um, or there's no like turn where he's like, I gotta get serious and totally yeah, change his fact, character. Like, like the tone is the same throughout the entire movie, even up to the end where he goes to throw uh, the knife to kill Lopan, and he just dings the gong behind him, and he's like. Ha-ha, now you die. And that's the setup for the, the, payoff, the great payoff and final. Yeah, the payoff. His, uh, his uh, um, all in the reflexes. And... Right. But it does kind of speak. It, it's good characterization, too, of that, like, he's like a real, like, tough, you know, slick kind of dude. But he's kind of like a fucking cinnamon roll underneath in that, like, he does pop a dude at one point. Like, it's the only guy he actually kills. And he's like, he's kind of looking at it like, oh, I just killed a dude. And the guy's like, is this... Is that your first? Uh, is that your first one? He's like, no, no, of course not. No, of course not. I killed plenty of people when I'm driving my truck for a living. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think he kills maybe three people in the whole movie, and um, the <laughs> the oh, second yeah, he guy does, he kills. Like when the, when the door opens up and they all come through, he does get a few. Yeah, well, he does that, and then when he's in the climax, when he he he's crafty and he he stabs the guy with the knife. Mm-hmm. that's still attached to his boot and he's stuck with this guy on top of oh, him yeah. for another like yeah, third fuck. of the climax <laughs> also i gotta say every time lopan was on the screen i just i'm, I'm going through some of the quotes mm-hmm. and, and he just stole the show yeah, so Hong many times a, whenever he was on there he's still huh. killing it he I was don't, in everything uh, ever all at once yeah um, one of the better parts jack of that burton movie. i don't get this at all i thought lopan shut up mr burton you are not brought up on this world to get it <laughs> just like, yeah that was great perfect the writing <laughs> and the other great fantastic. great line with the final confrontation with lopan he's like you know what jack burton says in these kinds of situations who jack burton me <laughs> <laughs> And you're like, yeah, he would have no cause to know who the fuck this guy is. I'm, yeah, I'm looking at these, like even even more of these quotes. Like it's it's like he's talking with with Mao Yin. You know, he's trying to like seduce her or whatever, or take her over under his spell. He's like, she's like, I don't belong to you. He's like, you don't. You belong to Ching Dai. I must sacrifice you, but I love you and I need you. She's like, no. It's like, <laughs> yeah, take her, take the bitch. 
Get her out of here. <laughs> it's fucking, that's like Kurtwood Smith and Robocop. Rocks and he's like, bitches, leave. <laughs> yeah, that show was great. Old Jack always says, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, Kurt, Kurt Russell, I feel like there's just some parts where like I can never see it be played as like somebody else. No, he, he was perfect for this role. Um, and, and I'm starting to wonder if like he was like the Deadpool of his era. Well, he or the Ryan Reynolds of his era. Uh, he was definitely a leading man of his era. Uh, he didn't do too many other. I mean, he did some comedies like Overboard and, and whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. But he uh, didn't do. He didn't do as many of like the same kind of character that Ryan Reynolds does. But he worked with John Carpenter a lot. <laughs> like, yeah, that was his homie. He was in uh, Big Trouble in Little China. He was in The Thing. He was in um, Escape from New York, Escape from from L.A. Um, Snake Plissken is um, like Jack Burton if Jack Burton were were played straight. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'd have to check that one out next. I believe it's on the Plex server. So it's there. Um... Yeah, so definitely can recommend if you've never seen it. Yeah, give, give pretty, big pretty obvious recommend in my book. A watch. I think it's. I would. I would go as far as to call it essential viewing. To really appreciate mm-hmm. uh, the action and martial arts genre, and most mm-hmm. importantly, the use of neon. I miss good <sighs> neon. Like it's so. So seldomly used nowadays. It's only used in like the open signs outside of the bodega. And I want neon outlining to come back. Like when, like I remember as a kid, you'd go to the Hollywood video and the Hollywood video would be all, <laughs> all the signage would be neon and it looked fucking wonderful. And there was neon in the store around the, like the molding. I don't know that a phrase more effectively dates a person than when you would go to the Hollywood video. <laughs> right. Unless it was, I went to the Hollywood video to rent video games. <laughs> I that rented could get it you from like my... a two-year like, window yeah. there. I rented this from Blockbuster. <laughs> I rented this game from Blockbuster. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's going to be a wrap on episode 319. Be sure to check out soundstuds.com for old episode archives so you too can check if we ever repeat a uh, topic. <laughs> um, I'm surprised it hasn't happened. We've done a lot of these shows. Yeah. Um, and my memory is not that great, but you can you can be, be accountability cops. Um, yeah. And complain to us at Stud Saturn on Twitter. It's a form um, of engagement. It is. There's no such thing as bad, bad impressions. Yeah, yeah. Come yell at us. <laughs> Just fucking take all your grievances out. We'll we'll argue with you, and uh, you'll feel silly because we don't take it seriously. But we'll drive up the engagements on our posts. Um, all right. Well, until next time, be well, stay safe, and party like it's 1995. Peace. Bye bye. <laughs>